is Richard Wilson speaking. Thank you for downloading One Foot in the Podcast. So I'm a wrinkly, wrinkly, but don't shed a tear. I'm not exactly a little old dear. One thing's for sure, I'm still bloody well here. One foot in the grave. Hello? Hello? Footers and Gravers, good day to you. We're opening up with Series 2, Episode 1 in Luton Airport. No one can hear you scream. And this time around, I'm joined by a brand new guest on the pod. It's Dan Clay. Hi, Dan. How are you doing? I'm very well, Tom. How are you? I'm very well. It's good to have you on, Dan. It's great to finally discuss the beginning of Series 2. I feel like I've been recording re-recording series one for quite some time and we had to put this episode back a week because of well my, my kids being poorly so uh, naturally put it back so series two do you think this is where one foot the grave really gets going is this where is this like the beginning for most one foot fans i mean i know there's a lot of respect for series one but everything's new in series two onwards. yeah uh, i'd say so yeah i mean I'd, i'm not 100 sure this is where it really flies I think you're looking at seasons three, four, maybe five for that. But it's certainly where it sets the sort of um, the bedrock, isn't it, of a of a new start, a fresh start. So, yeah, yeah. It, it's certainly a very strong season, definitely. And it starts very strongly, too. I absolutely love the start of series two. It's not just the fact that already the characters de- are developing quite well, but it's an entirely new setting, of course, a new mm-hmm. house, a new address. It's the return of Mrs. Warboys uh, and Nick Sweeney. So it's quite a uh, generous opening, I think. It is, certainly. They're all in there, aren't they? Certainly. <laughs> Going back to when you first discovered Wolf in the Grave, can you remember the episode that it might have been and uh, yeah, your earliest memories, I suppose? Did anyone get you into it or did you discover it yourself? Um, that's a hard one. I think I think I sort of just... Um, my parents must have watched it because it would have been, you know, early to mid-90s. I would have been like, uh, ooh, about 16, 17. So yeah. watched quite a lot of comedy and... Yeah. Uh, I think it's just sort of one of those shows that was on. Yeah. I think the first episode I remember watching was Timeless Time, which is quite a, a good episode, isn't it, to to kick you off? And, of course, it's the end one of this series. Yes. After that, I remember watching uh, specials. And it wasn't really till season six that I actually started watching the full season as it went out live and then went back and watched, you know, all the previous seasons. But would you say it's your favourite sitcom or is it just in your top sort of five or whatever? Or... Oh, <laughs> It's very hard. It's certainly one of two. Yeah. But then I'd be struggling to name the other one because there's there's so many other sitcoms I love. But it's certainly, yeah, I'd certainly put it up there as probably my favourite. Yeah, yeah. Gun to my head, it's my favourite. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay. For the sake of the podcast, it's your favourite. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> oh, it is. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, should we crack on with Series 2, Episode 1 in Luton Airport? Now we can hear you scream. Fabulous. Oh, I'm Firstly, this was aired October the 4th, 1990. So by now, happy fourth birthday to me. Well, <laughs> July 1990, I'd have been four. And you'd be, I think you're a few years older, right? I'd be 13. Yeah. 13. Would you? Okay. So more than a where Would you be in a, did you say would you, it was mid 90s you discovered? Uh, well, so it was, you, I think I, I must have watched Timeless Time, time, time went said, out, yeah. which would have been the end of this series. But okay. I didn't really remember getting into it until later on. One thing I haven't really done too much throughout 
recording this episode to discuss the episode title meanings and is this title of this episode is it is obviously a, is it a mock-up of a film it, or something it is and it's it's one of my favorite films which is alien obviously right the tagline you know in space no one can hear you scream okay it's a tagline yeah, yeah. I, i'm not so clued up on those I, I wish there was a not only a book on of the scripts of one from the grave but episode yeah. meanings and i i feel like a lot of most episode titles are lost on me, but some of my listeners I've had are very clever. They they can say, "Oh, that one's based on a on a novel by so and so." Okay, so that's a tagline in Aliens, yeah. In Alien, the first one, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, opening up of this shot is a it's it, I believe it is Luton Airport with, with, when the plane is on the runway, or it could be any. I mean, if, if there's any airport enthusiasts out there, could you tell me <laughs> if that really is? I know the shot um, that follows on is just a aerial shot of a terminal, and it's not obviously it's not. <laughs> it's, I think it's just taken, isn't it? Is it taken yes. from a TV show, or is it um, a light? What was it? Was yeah. is that from? Uh, airport if that was out in 1990 and it looks like news footage a little bit to me like That's you know true. Just, just some mm. sort of stock footage i guess that bbc must have had do you get like a an obvious holiday type feeling when you see people in a uh queue at an airport waiting to check in <laughs> i do but they look a bit businessy to me they're all a bit in like grays and browns they're not particularly like like when victor comes in the minute he's all dressed almost like he's come back from benidorm or something you know in his yeah hat on his sombrero and he's got a bright coloured shirt on. He looks like he's come back from holiday, doesn't he? That's very true, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they don't look like that, do they? If you pick him out very... If if you're going to study that first scene, then I'm (laughs) sure you could find some genuine holiday makers have been to Tenerife or wherever, but it does look a bit... It's it's that very early 90s, dull colour type thing, just hangover from the 80s almost, or maybe even hangover from the 70s. Um, What I noticed on... uh, IMDB was there's a few uncredited actors and actresses and one is an air stewardess and I'm thinking you don't see an air stewardess an obvious one you see waiters and waitresses that are uncredited I'm just thinking was there a cut scene do you think from I'd love to to see them come off the airplane potentially it might have been mightn't they yeah Um, why why would there be an uncredited air stewardess with an actress just in that concourse and you know yeah, I can see. I, I can spot one in the uh, in that opening few minutes in this of this scene. But anyway, we got Margaret and Jean. Jean is looking quite uh, well. Didn't at this stage, but she's not looking too pleased. There's some bad news lingering, and Margaret's just showing a load of snaps from holiday. Uh, imagine they got them a process for us abroad. Bringing the disposable camera with me on holiday in the 1990s. I don't think I would have got them processed on holiday. I'd have probably waited till I got back to the UK unless Mark can do them at the airport because they're I think the storyline here is their luggage is lost mm-hmm. so they'll be waiting for some time so perhaps during the long wait if she got the photos processed but they're not really photos that are impressing Jean she <laughs> that says nice one of the ruins which yes. is apparently not ruins it's their hotel but she did warn them didn't she in the return of the speckled band she reeled off a list of all the reasons not to visit Athens. I like I like how we actually pick up from the fact they come back from holiday. So it's just like, although I'm sure we'd love to see their holiday footage, it's nice to pick up where we left off of them going in the taxi, which of course we were yeah. on a bit of a cliff edge with the the python snake, weren't we? Exactly, and you don't you don't get. I mean, you know, you could have put a montage in, couldn't you, of things that had happened on the holiday certainly with the snake and there isn't any of that i mean obviously they mention it later on but yeah i, I suppose renwick didn't want that he wanted to come straight back into the the star and the the news that you know mrs war is going to give them which then obviously sets up yeah 
episode. Rest of the episode. So, Annette Crosby's sporting a wig here, and David's never been pleased with that wig. I think it looks okay. I think she looks quite sweet with the with the headband. But she, the actress, obviously got her hair cut, which meant when she left for Athens, she had long hair. Yeah. But when she's returned, she's got short hair. Or no, have I got no? I've, I always get this wrong. I think she's got short hair in a later scene, hasn't she? Oh, I can't which way around. I think this is a wig. Yeah, this is a wig. And then there's a, obviously they go to the, the old house, don't they? And she's obviously still sporting the wig. Yeah. And then obviously it's the it's the six month gap where the, you know, the caption comes up on the screen. that Yes. During that time, she's had her hair cut for the purpose of the show, hasn't she? But like you say, you know, I mean, it's in the Weber book, isn't it? Where they talk about the wig and how they, they hated it, didn't they? And they, they don't think it looks good. But I, I don't think it looks that bad. I, I, I couldn't remember if it was because I thought it was she uh, end of series six. She had a natural long hair. And then by the time they start to film this episode, she's cut her hair. Yeah. And it's not necessarily realistic. She'd have had a haircut in Athens, but I don't know. But nevertheless, it looks fine. I, I think mm-hmm. David's a perfectionist and he may just see it. It's not been very convincing. But they're going through some photos, holiday snaps. Margaret hands the postcard, which Victor presumably forgot to post. <laughs> it's that thing, isn't it? If you post a postcard on after, for a week's holiday, it, it rarely does it get to your to the addressee. Before you, know, you get it. back. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's nice. I, I I always write a postcard on the first day of arrival because I just with every, I just want every chance for it to get back to whoever I'm sending it to. But yeah, rarely does it that does that happen. Jean reads out the postcard or reads out what it says what is sorry written down on the postcard, and there is the dead snake reference in the flight bag. There um, is. And I was also trying to work out what is the photo on the front of the postcard. Is it Athens Stadium or something? It or looks, It looks like that, doesn't it? Some kind of like stadium, but it, it's not like, I suppose, a traditional postcard. You'd send like the Acropolis, wouldn't you? Or yeah. something. <laughs> it, it's, yeah, a bit generic. But I, I've got no idea what's on the front. Uh, it looks like an old swimming pool or something or a yeah. stadium, like you say. It's hard to work out, but... I'm sure it's David chose that specifically. I'm sure there's a hidden joke I'm, I'm missing. Jean spots the address as 39 Windgate. Mm-hmm. She thinks it's no, she thinks it's number 30, which will yeah. set up for the misunderstanding later. Of course. But Margaret goes to correct it, doesn't she? I didn't see the point in that. She goes no. to actually correct it on the postcard. Like it doesn't matter yeah. at this point. No, exactly. We don't know if Jean is at Wingate Avenue, Wingate Drive, Wingate Crescent. This is an ongoing thing on the podcast where I can't quite work. I've seen different things written down on, on the internet and I don't know. I'm sure it's in the Weber book and I haven't read the Weber book for some time. It, again, it doesn't matter, but I think it's just to establish whereabouts Jean lives in their universe at this point. Yeah, I mean walking uh, distance, presumably. She must be, mustn't she? She must be close. Mm. Did they ever really explain how they became friends or I was thinking uh, that really referenced I mean did she work with Margaret is that is that how they became friends or no because the only other thing I can think is neighborly you know like like they become with Nick and and Pippa and Patrick but well what what we do know is that with the apple tree gag at the end is it 25 years yeah yeah so they lived there for 25 years so maybe Maybe when they moved into the neighbourhood, yeah, Jean was there already. Otherwise, we'd have, you'd have to also you'd have to assume that when the Meldridge moved there, they already knew Jean, and either they joined her in that crescent or she joined them because yeah. I don't know. But I'm just going to assume that they just became friendly, and that's because there's a bit of a tight bit of a, I want I want to say a close knit neighbourhood, but not one where the Meldridge were necessarily involved with because Victor's from the get-go um, not really revered as being, uh, you know, Mr. Community Spirit. No. The graffiti on the wall in that <laughs> first or second episode. And, of course, later on in this episode, the neighbours are having a go at him for making a racket. So I don't think he's that well, well 
admired, is he, on the street? Not really. No, no. not really at all. It's a great little gag here where Margaret talks about the uh, body search of customs. <laughs> How is Victor then? Oh, you know, Jeannie's usual self. Oh, dear. <laughs> as well as can be expected after undergoing an intimate body search by customs officers. <laughs> what exactly happened again? Well... The man had just stopped him, how they do, and said, and how are we today, sir? To which Victor replied, I'm fine apart from the crack in my bottom. You know how he suffers with that crack. That's a great gag. I love that. <laughs> Margaret's not really getting the hint at this point. There's something up with Jean until she sort of snaps because she's trying to get get her attention and she goes to buy a, a large brandy. It's like a, an immediate cut to slightly later on where Victor walks in. Like you said, it looks like he's dressed in classic holiday clobber yes. with his... Uh, so how would you describe a Victor at this point? What's he, so is he wearing I, a... I don't know how to describe that shirt. It's, I mean, it's too floral, isn't it? But it's very, very bright. He's got some kind of sombrero on. Sombrero, yeah. It looks like a sombrero and, uh, yeah, just, I don't know, not the sort of shirt that I can imagine Victor wearing much around the house. No. Holiday, just, but... Uh, maybe purchased on a market stall out in Athens. Maybe, I don't know. There's probably a story there, isn't there? Definitely. Classically, like we mentioned earlier, their suitcases are lost. And Margaret, by now, is aware of this bad news that Jean's got for um, for, for Victor. Um, it doesn't seem to be the best time to break it to him, as he is obviously in a foul mood, like you would be if your, your luggage was lost. Yes. Margaret's always... Margaret is forever the calming one. You know, even if she knows their luggage hasn't arrived, but she's pretty up to this before the, before this moment. She's quite chilled, isn't she? She's not too distressed about it. She's quite a half glass full kind of lady. Thing it will get resolved. She's she's kind of got that attitude, isn't she? Definitely. She's probably a bit worried about Victor's reaction. Obviously, that's the impression I get. Yeah. yeah. Hence the ordering of the uh, the tenants that's going to come in shortly. She sets this up for Jean to have to break the news. She hasn't got it in her to tell Victor clearly. It just cuts to Jean saying, Your house has been demolished. <laughs> How else do you break it to someone? The tenants' pills and a lager is apparently a drink that calms Victor down. We'll never hear of um, tenants' pills and a lager ever again, or any kind of bitter beer, lager. But he just chucks it over himself. Yeah. Which was he was is this a coping mechanism for Victor or is it is he just being pure is he just being facetious with his words that that would have ever calmed him down I don't know uh, I don't know I mean obviously the temptation is just to absolutely down it but I mean it's a it's a visual gag isn't it it's a visual gag that the guy behind I always notice when I watch he reacts very very quickly to Victor throwing this this drink over himself does he That's yeah yeah he's like. Almost like he's just a second before he does it. Like he knows, obviously he knows it's going to happen mm. and he wants to watch it, but always puts me off slightly. But um, I never noticed that, is it? Maybe just an extra knowing what's happening and they just can't resist to, to see yeah. that, that bit live. Oh, maybe well, no, maybe it's a touch late, but... <laughs> so um, Jean reels off the series of events. What happened was, <clears throat> first of all, it caught fire. <laughs> Somehow, two days after you left, um, uh, it was very badly gutted, but it was still standing. <laughs> that was before the hurricane. <laughs> well, well, you see, by, by then it, it was getting very, very hazardous, with it collapsing on people in the street and so on. <laughs> so they had no choice but... Oh dear. Bit of a domino effect for them. Obviously, they had to 
demolish it. Yeah. And, uh, that's when he chucks the lager over his face. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I mean, how would you ever? And this will be a lot of listeners or viewers of One Foot, shall I say, people come to this podcast. We've spoken about how all their possessions are obviously burnt to the ground. Everything's demolished as well. But in Riverbank over the years, they'll have a few keepsakes that they've had in the family for many years. So it's like, well, how did, how did those yeah. items survive? Like I said, they had a garage at Wingate, which presumably didn't catch fire. Maybe he had some stuff there. Maybe they stored stuff at Mrs. Warboy's house because she had quite a large, quite a big house, didn't she? She did. I, su- I suppose that's dramatic license, isn't it? The, yeah. uh, mm. the, you know, if you ask David Renwick, he'd, he'd probably say it is just dramatic license that for the purposes of the plot, you know, yeah. those sort of keepsakes have to be in the show. I, I don't know about, I don't know about this as well, like with Jean, because if, if you'd gone on holiday, certainly nowadays, I mean, you wouldn't be able to escape it, but if you go on holiday now and your house, you know, is, is uh, set on fire, uh, the hurricane then destroys the rest and then it's demolished. At what point would Jean perhaps try and get hold of Victor and Margaret on holiday to tell them? Good point. Want them to sort of be in sort of ignorant bliss? I don't know. It's always a little bit strange, isn't it? Wouldn't, wouldn't you want to tell them? Well, in 1990, they they haven't got mobile phones, that's for sure. No, I'm just um, assuming they might have left the hotel a you know, number or something. That's true. I, it I, 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 I mean, I, I would have thought, what the hell can Victor and Margaret do whilst on holiday? They may as well enjoy their holiday, yeah. complete bliss. Ignorance is bliss and then just deal with it when you get home. There'd be little to no point when they'd say, look, you know, you, you, you've got no home whilst they're trying to enjoy the holiday because <laughs> they're going to get stressed from here on out. I can only assume there's some sort of law, health and safety law, that if your house is, you know, crumbling, that yeah. the powers that be are allowed to demolish it because demolish, if I got the right word there? Or yeah, yeah. No, you're probably right. There must be, wasn't there? Are they are, are they at the fire brigade or the play? Are they allowed to say right? You know, we have to take this to the ground because <laughs> fragments of your home uh, are uh, causing a potential well, potential serious risk to uh, general public. But I don't know. I don't know. If there's some sort of I don't know. Um, I, I'm sure someone no. will tell me. I feel like there have to be some sort of like prolonged legal battle to demolish yeah. the house. But I suppose, uh, like we say, for the purposes of the plot, it has to be demolished, doesn't it? It's sort of pretty quick. Yes. Um, but yeah, I know what you're saying. I know. Yeah. Well, we're taken to Wingate Drive, a bit of sad music playing as Victor's inspects the demolition site with the ladies, which brings Margaret to ask Jean what the theory was, what, what's what's actually happened. Jean is the, is the woman in the know. She has all the, the gossip that she... What do they think happened? Well, there's a theory about some children sticking a firework through the letterbox as a trick or treat. But of course, they can't prove anything. It was Mrs. Althorpe across the road who first smelt something burning. Did she do anything? Well, yes. She turned down the gas under her collar. <laughs> Eventually, she did try to ring the fire brigade, but what with the arthritis in her fingers and everything, she got the wrong number and got through to a singing telegram agency. <laughs> Mind you, to give them their due, they were around here very quickly. <laughs> the three men in gorilla costumes. <laughs> this is where storytelling, even in a very small way, is hilarious, isn't it? She got through to singing Telegram Agency just due to her arthritis. The, the detail in this little anecdote gets me every time. Three men in gorilla cos- costumes turn up. <laughs> which... <laughs> The next time we'll see gorilla costumes will be. Do you remember the episode? 
the sentence of the maelstrom right yes okay because yeah. this is quite sad this is sad this is someone's home that's been demolished but as ever renwick's able to slot in a bit of comedy just through i mean there's, the a, there's a bit of a hint there as well isn't there that obviously nick swaney's got a gorilla costume hasn't he and i can yes. see nick swaney as a singing telegram man certainly <laughs> so i'd be very surprised if he wasn't one of the three that turned up but i mean maybe it's just me but i, I could see him doing that but that's never <laughs> obviously mentioned but no i can well. he does the sponsor silly walk thing and his yes. massive still excellently victor is just absolutely perplexed why there's a not only a newspaper delivered i don't see this look at this the house has been raised to the ground and they're still delivering the bloody newspapers. <laughs> three newspapers, they stick through the door. Look at this. This is tonight's edition. This has been delivered tonight. That's just the classic ludicrousness of this show, isn't it? Someone's felt obliged. To, they're too lazy to not deliver. I mean, it would have been, for the paper boy, it would have been easier to not deliver that paper, but maybe... He's got a quota to fill. He's got to say he's delivered all his... He can't bother, to, he can't bother with the paperwork <laughs> to bring it back to. I don't think anyone's going to complain, though. On no. the <laughs> so and he, I used to deliver papers when I was younger. So you? Yeah, well, I, I my brother used to deliver and I used to help him out and get a bit of extra cash. Hmm. Um, sorry, I, I know the, the, you know, the perils of having to <laughs> go around the whole estate with all you know, the houses, but yeah, you'd certainly skip where you could. I remember playing Paperboy for the Game Boy, the very first Game Boy. Yes. That was very hard, actually, if you recall that. I do, uh, yeah, that was very difficult. Never, I, I never did paper rounds. Uh, I dropped my cap to people, to kids, you know, who I think they still do, but getting up at half five, six, before school as well. Yeah. I think that goes underappreciated, actually. When you've got a kid, he's got to go to school, but he's, he gets up that early, he or she gets up that early to deliver however many hundreds of newspapers and mags. But yeah, fair play. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I couldn't tell what the going rate is for paper boys, paper girls nowadays. Yeah, it used to be a couple yeah. of quid, but probably it, it, it didn't seem that much. But you know, yeah. Well, Victor uses the newspaper as a way of like to channel his anger, doesn't he, by reading out articles describing their fate, which obviously does upset Margaret at this point because the stress must be getting to her, if not well, surely before this. But it just she kind of cracks, doesn't she, through Victor's losing the plot element it's quite it's quite sad because i know it's a comedy but obviously you would you would think about your wife your partner wouldn't you and you'd you know she's lost her home as well and she is quite understandably quite upset which comes out in a minute and victor has to console her but uh, obviously for the purpose of the comedy you want to see victor ranting you want to see him raving a bit but yeah yeah, she is she is understandably quite upset look at this Sample of HP spicy sauces. That's the point that his voice is raised even higher to the point <laughs> the neighbours from the opposite opposite the way um, start laying into Victor. Uh, you for God's sake, keep that bloody round down. <laughs> what the hell's it got to do with you? I'm trying to get some bloody sleep. And I'm not getting in with you down there, yakking nudging to the dozen about wrecked examinations and spicy sauces. <laughs> Do you know what the time is? Tie you stuck your head down a waste disposal system! You're weak in the whole street. I have just returned home to find my entire house burned to the ground! Ah, don't I know it? I didn't get any bloody sleep that night either! <laughs> These these are actors 
Michael Robbins and Dorem Doremy Vernon. Have I I've had that's a massive typo in my notes, or she's <laughs> called a Doremy. But yeah, they are very unsympathetic neighbours because of the dramas. It's kept them up, you know. Oh, poor them. You know, <laughs> Victor and Margaret haven't got a house whilst they've had to cope with a bit, a bit of noise from firefighters and, and yeah, so exactly. forth. <laughs> and but um, I like how Victor just argues back and stands his ground and tells them to basically shut up. Mm-hmm. puts them in their place to some extent he struts off upstairs in the, the now demolished home in such a way that sorry that's when it actually brings Mark to tears isn't it yeah um, I was saying earlier that she was crying because of his rants but no that's I think that's the point where she thought I just haven't got a home to live in was he do you think he was generally going mad in the moment thinking in that for that split second he ha- he could go upstairs <laughs> or is that him just being visually sarcastic I think it's visually sarcastic yeah yeah yeah, he can't be heading up the stairs thinking he's. I'm going to bed get off now. Bed. <laughs> yeah, he wants to, he just wants to know if it's all a, a terrible dream. But even though he says that, I was just thinking, does he is he just lost his mind thinking this is not it's not real? I don't know. No, I don't think I'd want to be heading up those stairs either. I mean, not on a, a demolition site. <laughs> Probably <laughs> no. a bit rickety and dangerous, but. So I I was um, corrected by David because I I'd read and I think a few others had that the reason for this plot was house owners had up there whatever uh, fees they fee? were yeah. paid yeah they wanted a lot more and i think the bbc and or david this is what i've read and it's not true now apparently um we're against this and wanted to move uh filming locations so david wrote this plot but david said that's not the case so i uh, i i it was just quite quite simply he wanted to open up the series with the bang although we don't see the bang of the demolition it's it's definitely done the job i think already in a couple of s- scenes into series two it's a different feel to series one because we're obviously nowhere i say we're nowhere near their home they're standing outside <laughs> their fictional home but it's it's already a slightly different feeling for me than about than about for you it is yeah certainly i mean you, you get an aerial shot don't you of the of the house it looks quite mm. bright obviously that contrasts with the darkness yeah, the previous scene, but it just looks like a sort of fresh, bright new beginning. Um, yeah, and this yeah. is yeah, this for me is where the show really starts. Even though, like you know, I mean, I do like season one. There's some great moments in it, mm. but yeah, this, for me, this is this is one foot in the grave territory now. It's obviously the clever move to have this filmed at night, so you can't make out whatever demolition site they're at. Yeah. It's just pile of bricks, basically, isn't it? Yeah. When Margaret is comforted by Victor, there's take us away from the comedy into the tragedy element and then black screen with a very amusing caption of six months and several arguments with the insurance company later uh first of all where, where do you think they've been staying gene Warboys's house probably um, or the insurance company put them up in a hotel or what, what do you think yeah i don't know i can't think they'd have stayed with gene for that long given the way you know they they struggle when she comes to stay with them for a short while so i Maybe there was an element of that to start with. She would have, she would have had to have put them up, wouldn't oh, she? Oh, hundred percent. She got a big house, yeah. and she so she can definitely fit them in. Yeah. But I would think the insurance would then pay for some kind of alternative eventually, wouldn't they? Probably rented yes. for a few months somewhere. But we see a nice aerial shot of Tresillian Way, which you yourself have been to recently. I went last year, but you showed me a couple of snaps of your uh, time there. I did, uh, I how was, was it? Was it? Is it quite weird to see in the flesh? It was it was very weird, yeah. I mean, it was a really hot day when I went. It was one of those, you know, the, the heat wave. It was like yeah, mid thirty. Yeah, it was very warm. 
it was a yeah. very warm day so i think i got there like after a very long journey got there um it's like about five o'clock in the evening and had the kids in the car so i wasn't going to hang around for too long so yeah. i had a quick what were, they, what were they thinking your kids <laughs> dad why are we <laughs> they didn't know i mean they're too young to know what the show is uh you know they wouldn't know anything about it but so my wife was very accommodating she yeah. got out took some pictures i had a nosy around the back a little bit yeah, yeah and, and that was about it really and then sort of yeah headed off but yeah, it was really, it was very surreal to be there. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed yeah. it. Somewhere I've, I've wanted to go to for a while. So I'm yeah, it's one. this uh, little, little um, comedy bucket list item tick, you know, to visit. I, I visit a few filming, well, not filming locations, but TV program locations. No, what I'm on about, basically Fools and Horses <laughs> ones and one for, I haven't visited any other um, <laughs> filming locations. But yeah, I absolutely adored going to Tresillian Way. And we did go to Warnford Road as well which yeah. were their first house, but this was definitely... Well, but I did have a little nosy over the... the can't front help, but you got it, don't you? Yeah, and yeah. the garages are on site as well, because yes. any scene with the, where Victor's walking past his garage, you, you you might assume it's just a completely different location, but it, they are just around the side. Yeah, and the alleyway, well, the, yeah, behind. Yeah. It's feels small, a bit yeah. more... Yeah, enclosed when you see it. I don't know, I presume that's the same alleyway they use. Like, you know, so it might, might just be a bit overgrown, maybe, or shrubbery yeah. and stuff. Maybe that's like why in, it seems small. In the pendulum where they have, you know, the crab, there's mm. quite a few shots of that sort of back alley behind. I also thought it would run all the way through. So I started walking down. Then you get to, like, you know, the third <laughs> house along, and it's like, oh, I'm blocked off. I've got to walk back. Um, but yeah. yeah, yeah. It did no, seem it's... more enclosed than it looks on television, but I guess that's just the way, isn't it? it yeah, it always seems bigger on the TV, but... I. Now we've arrived at 19 Riverbank. It's a massive improvement in my view. You just wonder how one of the grave would have fared in the old house with the decor and the vibe. But yeah. it's, everything's meant to be. It's a, it's a lot brighter. They're unpacking all their stuff. Victor and his whites, a li- little moan about packaging. And I love how Margaret says, you know, we'll, we'll need that food mixer box for when it goes wrong. So it's just highlighting the unreli- <laughs> unreliability of these things and how sod's law would mean if it breaks you <laughs> chuck the box away i think companies are quite lenient these days if you haven't kept the box they just say i'll oh, just send it back in what you can as long as you've got the item but there was a time if you didn't have the box all the receipt yeah that's tough buns yeah i do always think of that whenever i open like an appliance like you know a, maybe like a toaster or a kettle i'm like do i keep the box because you, you have that you have it yeah. standard to keep it for three weeks <laughs> three or four weeks as a standard yeah. and then eventually you trust that. that it's just going to work and then but certainly that after a week for at least a week or two maybe three i'm just storing that box annoyingly because i haven't got much storage space just in <laughs> case so i've got the mindset of margaret and everyone else in the uk with the <laughs> sometimes the unreliability of these things well mr swaney arrives so this is the first time since the very first episode so he's appearing again in the opening series and he reference oh, it's again one of the great elements of the show is when you hear conversations in a different room so we can hear mr swaney arriving Yes. And he says, Ah, it is you. I thought it was. Mr. Meldrew, isn't it? Fancy you turning up as a next-door neighbour. How are you settling in? All right. I'm sorry? Nick Sweeney. Outward bound for the elderly. Last year, I called round and you told me to piss off. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know if it, <laughs> I don't know if Mr. Sweeney was generally annoyed by that, but he seemed very <laughs> submissive of the fact that he'd been told to piss off before it's it's quite brave though because he says doesn't he like oh i thought it was you like have, have i been told to piss off by some grumpy old guy i don't know if i call <laughs> them again if i want to go and immediately like introduce <laughs> myself like, hi it's me but 
Yeah. He's brave of him, you know. I mean, I suppose he's being neighbourly. Yeah, uh, did, didn't he reference Victor kicking some kiddies tricycle off the front lawn? Yes, I think the first sign of his yeah. Victor's battle with society in this part, in this neck of the woods, anyway. Yes, yeah, that he says something like, "Oh, I said to mother, he'll be trouble. You know, watch out for him." <laughs> I feel like you uh, could do a good impression of uh, Owen Brenham. Just that uh, line you did there. Oh, do you think? Quite, yeah. Oh, I'm not sure. I haven't practiced. Okay, I haven't practiced at all. I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. <laughs> Nick uh, Sweeney, then. So he's, yeah, references. He, he works for the Out. Um, was it, does he say working for Outbound for the Elderly? Outbound for the Elderly or something, isn't it? Yeah. Well, he references mum being housebound and, and he starts to crypt at Mr. Gittins. You might know this without listening to the Rimwick appearance on this pod, but David did say. That sort of based on true story to a certain extent that he knew someone who had. I don't know if it's David. Oh God, Jesus, it's that bad, terrible now. But I can't remember if it's David's anecdote or an anecdote from someone that knows David about yeah. someone who lived in a house and there was a bit of a mystery why they were no longer there. It's insinuated that this poor Mister Gittins had um, a bit of a tragic end to his life. Whether it's a is it like a bit of a blooded one? Whether he mm. you know committed suicide or was murdered, we we don't seem to know, or just an accident. Like a shaving Yeah, accident. I mean, he just said the razor blades, doesn't he? And <laughs> razor think, blades, yeah. yeah. I think the suggestion is he's killed himself up in the bathtub, hasn't he? But yeah, well, maybe he was using a cutthroat shaver, sneezed, and cut himself. <laughs> it's just a real <laughs> tragic end. I don't know. Nick will do that, won't he? Throughout the series, so I say throughout. There's, there's the other example is in Secret of the Seven Sorcerers with Bucker. I can't remember now the the lollipop. You know when Victor becomes a lollipop yes. man. And all the children leave flowers for the former oh, lollipop. Oh yeah. Oh gee, I can't remember now. Obviously, when I when you play when I play this back this episode, when I listen to myself, okay, I'll know it. And I know yeah, this is yeah. mad. Not mad, Sam. I can't think. I'm not even going to try and guess. No. Yeah. Stupid. It's in there, and I can't remember it now. Psycho Sam. Right. Psycho Sam. Is that right? I think that sounds right. I think so. So he does that, doesn't he? Here, but he talks about Psycho Sam in. in you know, involved with the uh, previous lollipop woman. Again, it's cryptic. We don't really know. So anyway, I think Nick's just come around just to introduce himself, like a friend, like friendly neighbours might do. Uh, but he does rather bizarrely ask the military not to use the lavatory after twelve thirty at night <laughs> because of the plumbing element. Now we get his reasonings for for this, but I just don't think you'd say that to someone on the first. I say first time you meet. It's the second time he's met them, but. They're unpacking. They've just moved in. They probably don't need to to hear this at this point. No, I think you would you would broach that when you later on and say, "Well, there seems to be a bit of an issue. Mm. You know, let's get that investigated." But yeah, <laughs> poor Victor's like, "Oh, can't go to the loo in the night now." You know, and he's a man of a certain age, so um, yeah, it's true. Yeah, this is he might need to. <laughs> Despite uh, Victor's quite sardonic nature of Nick Swaney, uh, Nick, he's, Nick is still a nice chap. He just laughs it off and exits. But Victor will actually become more and more respectful of Nick Sweeney and probably more and more slightly wary of his relationship with this unseen mother because he doesn't really snap at Nick Sweeney ever again. As from what I can recall, there's not really any instances uh, where he... I know he does about the griller outfit because Nick Sweeney gets... You know, he misunderstands Victor's request for a suit. Yeah, which yeah. Becomes a great, another great, so, so Vic's also had a moan about it, but I don't think he, have, we didn't, he didn't moan to him about that. No, oh, I, know, I tell you what, he does, doesn't he, in Hearts of Darkness on the boat where they're playing yes. Triple Pursuit. Nick Swain knew that they weren't necessarily lost and it wasn't deep waters. Yes. 
that's the only other time there you go. I've, answered, I've just uh, answered my own question there. Um, <laughs> Victor, Victor receives a letter from Baggage Claims and they found one item, Mr. Beldrew, one item, and it's just a sock. I just think that's incredible. Um, is, is it quite believable that Baggage would send you back as something... Of, Maybe they just say we, we're Clayton, all the loose items. We've got only one sock in, but whether they go to the trouble sending a sock, that's just a waste of postage in my view. But uh, no, I don't think they would at all, would they? Like it's insulting, isn't it? Yeah, like, you know, we can't find the rest of your stuff, but we did find this. And also, how have they found one sock and not anything else? I mean, I yeah, I think I, you just imagine their suitcases being smashed open, and every item is just sprawled out from one airport to the other by this point, and. Uh, how would they know it's his sock? They just on a whim go, is this your sock? Because Margaret <laughs> verifies, oh, that is your sock. It's got the darning yeah, um, yeah. bit on it. Unless he's got <laughs> it like name tagging, like a, you know, like a school child. Like, uh, yeah, how would they know? How would they know it's his sock? I don't know. The other slight continuity error with the background scene. So if we're just uh, I'm 10 minutes and four seconds into the episode, and you'll see this throughout different scenes, at their front door you'll see houses opposite their home but yes. you know as well as i do opposite tricillian way there's just like a brick wall isn't there yes and nothing and else sort of small car park, car park cars. yeah yeah where margaret and mrs Rennie park in series six when they have their yeah. one-to-one chat but throughout you'll see that apparently houses opposite it's not something you really need to worry about but when you've been there and you see that and you remember that Nick Swain and Margaret scene in the car, you realise actually there's no house, there's no houses there. Yeah. But it's all part of the uh, production. Uh, it is. It's the um, downstairs it? toilet window. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of people put out. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, I swear again, it's a dramatic <clears throat> licence, isn't it? It's mm. allowed to get away with it. And yeah, it's it's not too much of a worry, I guess. It's not, it's not too much. It's, no. um, I think, again, it's a podcast licence to be this uh, particular about these things. Otherwise, casual fans wouldn't ever really pick up on it or if they do they're not gonna get anal about it like i like i've just done there but uh, of course anyway. missed, um <laughs> nick sweeney holding the uh nightmare on elm street video isn't it that he's oh yeah obviously purchased or you know he's rented or whatever but i mean is he gonna go home and watch that with his mum like oh, I, lo- I just <laughs> love well if we in the garden victor's lathering himself up with sun lotion yeah i don't know if it's like the same day or within it's they've been there for a few days now but he's got time to sunbathe and Nick Sweeney enters through basically through the fence. It's the first of many fence intrusion jokes because the fence door will be moved up and down throughout the series or the Nick will find ways to look through the fence and basically <laughs> just connect onto their garden through so he can communicate with them. This is Owen Brennan's favourite scene, apparently. Is um, it? Yeah, so he says anyway to me. The fence door uh, connection was just for Nick to check in on old Mr. Gittings, actually. So there is a bit of backstory why he's put this in. It's not just to be nosy. It's quite good. So he's probably Mr. Gittings' unofficial carer, like he is for his mother. And he's he hands over a plant to Mr. Mulder, a wandering Jew, which I just think is a great plant name for Victor in this moment. Uh, which is apparently from his mother. And it's this is the first of many mother at the window jokes. It's like it's a matter about fact thing. And it's, it's Victor's face as Mrs. Swain says, no, she's up at the window, look. And he's <laughs> trying to look. I find that so funny. Yes. It's all in the acting. It's it's Richard Wilson's perplexed look. He's just thinking, well, I can't, I can't see anyone. And he just says it as such a, he's just, I don't think he's just bemused or like there's no one there. 
<laughs> no, it's um, I don't know if you're a Shakespeare buff, but it's the whole Banquo's ghost scene in Macbeth. Oh, like, I'm not a Shakespeare buff. Do you show like the ghostly figure sitting that you react to, or do you not show it? And I think it's a bit like that. Do you show the mum at the window, or mm. even a hint? Because obviously, when he says, you know, oh, she's just, you know, she's up there, have a look. I mean, you yeah. can't, can you? No, it's, it's, it's not I, even I a love slight it. outline that there could potentially be someone. So it's that element, isn't it? He's mm. he's adamant there's someone there, but Richard's like, oh, what? Yeah, anything. That's us, that's, that's isn't it? You know, we're we're equally completely unsure as to. Yeah, whether there's a real person upstairs. Mother asked me to give you some cuttings from her wandering Jew. Now, they like a bright position, but try and avoid the direct sunlight. Thank you, that's very thoughtful of her. Well, she's up there now, you can give her a wave. <laughs> I can't see her. There she is, look. He says it's very nice of you, Mother. As Nick... So when he leaves, he just decides to drop it in there about the bathroom incident just to wind up Victor again. Not purposely <laughs> wind him up, but he just walks off and Victor's like, what, what about the bathroom? Like, why'd you keep getting on that bathroom? That then cuts into, like, night time in the Maldrews well, bathroom, actually. Um, <laughs> and Victor speculates in a roundabout way that Nick Sweeney's mum doesn't exist. I think Margaret plays it down, so they're they, like he said, he hasn't seen, hasn't seen anyone at the window, and he wonders if this next train is completely barmy. And we are as well at this point. If you watch him for the first time, you're thinking, there isn't anyone there. It's like Psycho. He's Norman yeah. Bates. And Victor's, yeah, he is paranoid because of the... Did he watch... Did I hear... Did, was he watching Psycho? Does Victor, apparently, does he reference watching Psycho that night? I don't know. They, they do reference Psycho, don't they? But I think sure. it's just... Uh... One of those in passing references. Mm. So there's a late night phone call from Mr. Sweeney again, pointing out that they <laughs> actually use the toilet. <laughs> Margaret's very polite about it, isn't she? But uh, Victor's very knocked off like he would be. And meanwhile, they're planning on a housewarming party. Is Victor reading the Daily Mirror? He is reading the Mirror, yeah. It's, it's a headline, Dive Dive, mm. from Monday 25th of June 1990. I'm sure you could look up that headline and find out what on this day, 25th of June, what was reported. I bet it's something relevant to the show, something that David's put in there. I didn't think to look it up. No, I haven't looked it up. It's something about a, a plane, isn't it, or something about seconds from disaster, it says, but I don't know. I wonder if it was their Athens flight was seconds from disaster, <laughs> but we didn't hear about anything, did we? So Probably where their luggage has ended up or something. <laughs> <laughs> Going through the list of people to come along, Cousin Ivor is invited. Uh, uh, Margaret wonders if, wonders if he'll bring one of his musical instruments um, and a reference of Auntie, is it Auntie Vi's funeral where he tried to play Bide With Me and got the miniature, miniature <laughs> harmonica. Um, is it a kazoo or something he says? Um, harmonica. Harmonica. Sorry, I yeah. like, stuck in his throat. I love those little mini anecdotes there. Just <laughs> paints a picture, doesn't it? First of many aunts and uncles mentioned they have so many cousin Ivor has he mentioned was he in cousin Ivor's car in series six where his head was stuck through the sun screen roof was oh in Ivor? the last episode um I don't know I can't remember there, there are like you say a lot of cousins aren't there and, mm. and nieces and yeah it would be in a, in a family but yeah it, given they've got no children of their own I suppose it's all very old relatives isn't it they yeah got, yeah of course yeah uh, a younger generation as such, unless it's... Uh, I suppose his brother's not had any children, has he? I've, I don't know. I mean, he might have done. He's. I know Margaret's... It's not referenced, is it? 
Margaret's got nephews and nieces. Yeah. I don't know. But his no. brother is, <laughs> looks, I mean, Richard Pearson is, is, or oh, I think he's, he passed away, but he is older than Richard yeah. Pearson at the time of filming, that's for sure. So, and still would be older. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the scene cuts then to the living room and it looks like, uh, they they're all set up for their housewarming party. Also, looks like a no show. Uh, it's such a fresh look, isn't it? Yes. And I like how because they're not got every single furnishing, have they? They've got the sofas in and a little dining room table. Which, interestingly enough, that dining room table is, is being put up against the window. But then, of course, that'll be moved to the other part of the living room, won't it? And for forever and a day. Yeah, yeah. So I, I wonder why. The Mel- maybe the Mel just, just thought oh, that'd be a nice place to have the, the, the dining room table or they, they just thought oh, it's just convenient for the party but, yeah, I think it's just for the uh, buffet isn't it the yeah or the pilchard buffet well the pilchards <laughs> Fix is obsessing over because either he hates pilchards or he likes them but not enough to have so many of the tins which Margaret lets out an absolute scream <laughs> And Annette does that so well, doesn't she? I think that would be the first. She she hasn't really snapped at Victor too much in Series 1 up to this point. And she really... I mean, she must be stressed out because she just wants to host a nice party and she's probably thinking all their friends have deserted them. This is where the Victor's handwriting seed that was uh, planted in the very first scene comes to light. Uh, Well, it will do. Not, Not right now. I mean, I love the line that she comes out with, you know, the, I'll go out tomorrow and I'll buy a cat. And I just thought, I think you probably shouldn't. You shouldn't buy a cat because we don't no. have <laughs> Good point. Not yeah. in your house. Not <laughs> <laughs> any animal, but certainly yeah. not a cat. But I love that line. It must, it must be a reference, obviously, to, to the events of Series 1. but Possibly, yeah. There is some brief hope as the doorbell <laughs> goes, but it's Christian Aid. <laughs> he tries to fit in a a tin of pilchards and uh, <laughs> this actually triggers the the realization for margaret that the part that there's the party's held elsewhere and a uh, cousin roger so another cousin mentioned cousin roger's citron 2cv is spotted which is apparently parked across the road victor references that i think you know margaret asks is he still got that uh citron 2cv he'll be buried in it but victor so yes they've got it, he'll be buried in it and that is where you get the external shot of Trisillian whale Riverbank, should we say? And Victor goes to inspect. Margaret stays back, and Victor walks. I love these. This these next couple of scenes are so brilliant. He walks into a party that is happening. All his pals are there, various cousins or whatever. And and Mister Prout greets Victor, who was in Series One for the, uh, I believe, the Valley of Fear. I think it was the Valley of Fear. Yeah, he's the short, uh, chubby guy. I always thought this was a cousin, actually, but it's just. I think it's just a, a former neighbour. I don't know where Cousin Roger is, that's why I put it. There's no Cousin Roger, what we can see, but Jean then greets Victor. Very well. I really love what Margaret's done with the curtains in here. It's a real change of style for both of you, isn't it? When you used to always go in for those rather drab greys and browns. Really freshens the place up. She drops herself in it, like she does throughout the series. She inadvertently slags off their old decor style, doesn't she? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, she's like, I love what you've done with the place in such a short space of time, and yeah. <laughs> but I was thinking that she's she's th- th- that house that Victor's now in 
which mm. is not his house. It's not too dissimilar to the first house, is it? No. Gene's describing it like it's a completely different setup. It's not like they've been to Ikea, is it? It's, no. <laughs> um, it's chintzy furniture and curtains. And yeah, it's, it's what you would expect, isn't it, perhaps, from an older couple, you know? Yeah. Everything about these middle-aged people dancing <laughs> at this housewoman party, because that just doesn't happen, does it? <laughs> Was there a time... Because housewoman parties of any age of, of person going is huge just there's a lot of people just stood around and, and having a chat but yes. they're full-on partying <laughs> aren't they discoing <laughs> it's the way they carry on isn't it when they go to nick swaley's house and like just over dancing is it's like it's it's very funny, but uh, yeah, I don't know how realistic it is, like you say. <laughs> yeah, the, the owner of the house is actually present. Um, who was that play? But he looks very familiar. I thought that, and I, I, I couldn't... I was enjoying that. Yeah, I couldn't like picture him. It's like he's from On the Buses or <laughs> just an old thing. I'm sure he is, but um, not from On the Buses as such, but he's, he, he looks like a seasoned pro in what he does. But the the um he thinks the owner of the house yeah thinks the social services set this up for him, <laughs> but the mix up of course is <laughs> is apparently Victor's handwriting which leads to a couple of funny gags and mo- mostly from Mr. Prout. Could I have your attention, please? Oh, no, 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 there's obviously been some sort of mistake here, everyone. Mistake? What do you mean? Well, see, I don't live in this house. Well, what did you buy it for then? <laughs> I don't bought a house round the corner. Why are you having a party in this one? What? Why are you holding a housewarming party in somebody else's house? I expect he didn't want to mess up his own carpet, eh? <laughs> <laughs> it's perfectly obvious you've all misread the invitation somehow or other. This is number 10, Riverbank, isn't it? That's what it says. What are you talking about? That's 19. That's never a nine in a month of That's a nine? Uh, nobody does their nines like that. Would you say that was a nine? No. That's a nine. That's a naught. That's definitely not a nine. Well, he's always had trouble with his nines. They come out like whirlpools. <laughs> his H's are much better. Look more like M's. I thought it said mouse warming part of it. <laughs> mouse warming? Mouse warming? Well, that's quite clearly a letter H. Anyway, could you... So, yeah, he's getting his nines mixed up. So they're at number nine, Riverbank. Or they're at number ten, Riverbank, sorry. So at number ten, they're at number ten, Riverbank. Obviously, there is zeros and nines. All right, follow me, and out they go, leaving the poor guy on his. I'd have invited the poor the, that chap. I mean, why not? He's uh... yeah, I mean, he's, he's got a glass of something out of it, hasn't he? But uh, I love his line. You know, I was enjoying that. It's just, uh, <laughs> it's just wonderful. Just poor man. Just, all of a sudden, this party's like descends on his house, and then quick as a flash, they've gone. That could, that could be the first company he's had for first company he's had for a long time. <laughs> The party follow Victor into, well, another house. Victor actually spots Margaret looking out the window. They encounter Nick, who looks like he's trying to do a bit of plumbing. There's a brilliant bit of misunderstanding, and, and he chucks Nick Sweeney out because he's going to be fed up with him by this point. He's obsessing over this plumbing issue. <laughs> Victor's just trying to host a party, so he ch- chucks him out of his house, doesn't he? And the um, thing is, he sees Margaret on the stairs. So There's even more of a reason for Victor to be confused. Yes. But I mean, it's an innocent mistake, isn't it? He's seen Margaret. Mistake, window. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can see how it's happened. But this will actually put to bed any rumours that Nick Sweeney doesn't have a, a mum because yeah. she's there to help his mother who's fallen out of bed. 
So unless Margaret is just not humoring Nick's reign, but she's a bit frightened. Say she isn't real no. at all. <laughs> and she's like, I had to pretend that I was putting his mother back into bed, but there's no one there. But no, she yeah. she's we have to assume she is there really. So I, I think so. I don't think Margaret I mean she's alone with Victor, isn't she, at the moment? Nick's yeah. out the door. I don't think she'd lie. No, no. I mean I think what Victor's done here is a plausible mistake if you've had quite a lot to drink. Yes. He's, I take it they've only been in that house a couple of days. It's night time. Um, yes, it's dark. It's not like it's, I don't think it's a summer's evening because it's, yeah, the party started for eight o'clock or whatever, and it's pitch black. Victor isn't drunk. He's sober, maybe just dozy-eyed. He's seen Margaret through the window, so that's actually helps this joke along because it, there's your wife. She's obviously, that's your house. You've seen her through the window, head on in. What have you just done? Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't in the mood for him tonight, not on top of everything else. This is his house. <laughs> so hilarious comedy of errors of its behalf, where once again, uh, the party kicks off and makes us got to shut down, <laughs> shut this down. And like you said, they're all going absolutely crazy with dancing. Uh, yeah. And some interesting costumes. Like that lady looks like, it looks like a shell suit top. <laughs> <laughs> is that, I, uh, I tried to Shazam the, the music. Mm. But nothing came up, and I can only imagine it's just BBC sound effects stuff or yeah, just generic. I don't know if this is me. It sounds very similar to the track they were listening to in the Last Man's House, as if they bought a record with them and they put oh, it on. Oh, that's true, yeah. But I, I, when I listened again, it, unless it's a completely different part, I don't think it is the same song, but it just sounds fairly similar. Yeah, rock, rock and roll pop. Yeah, yeah, rock and yeah. roll. Anyway, so yeah, once again, he's got a... I just think that's... I just love... I just absolutely love this opening episode. There's so much going on, really, and such a calamity from Victor to get it wrong twice. But it's all, it, it works out well in the end, doesn't it? Because well, we don't see their party in full swing at their actual house, but they see the last of their guests out the door. Well, Mrs. Warboys, I think it's who we, we hear, and all ends well. Actually, it's just Margaret sees them out. She can't find Victor, can she? No. I mean, there's quite a few empties if you look around the room and you know, the pilchards seem to have gone down well. So, mm. yeah. I guess it's yeah. I, I would say Victor Margaret's new house, 90 Riverbank, looks more modern in this year of filming than it does later on into the 90s. Yes. I don't know if they somewhat go backwards with decor, but it looks fresh and modern now because it's just white walls, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah. yeah it's That's, obviously uh, liquor paint for them all, you know. Liquor paint. Yeah. Uh, Margaret realises Victor has indeed scarpered. Uh, so she seems to know where he's gone. We're at Wingate now. Margaret's taxied herself to Wingate. She spots a luxury home sign where their old house was. And yeah, it's just Victor paying his respects to the house they, they once lived in for what were, like I said, what we learned to be 25 years at least. And that's where he speaks about the apple tree. 25 years it took to grow that apple tree. I planted it in the spring of 1965, feeding it, spraying it, mulching the soil, watering it through the droughts, giving it an annual dressing of potash and nitrogen every January. Not one sodding apple. <laughs> 
he would have planted that, what, in 1965? Yeah. Yes. 1965, swinging the 60s. <laughs> Beatles at the height of their fame. Um, not one sodding apple is a great line. That could only happen to Victor, couldn't it? What were they doing wrong to not get an apple? I can only assume it just wasn't an apple tree. It's just a standard, box standard, like silver birch tree or something like along those lines. And we'll just I, mean, I, I can sympathize with him in one way. My, um, my brother, when I was younger, he planted a lemon tree from these like lemon seeds or something. And it would have been, oh, how do I know? It would have been about 20, 30 years ago he did it. And right. It's still going. But my brother sort of seems to have given up on it. He refuses to have the tree in his house. It's an indoor plant. They bring it in. So my parents have had to look after this bloody tree <laughs> for like 30 years. They've had it like in the middle of like the room. You can't get around it, you know, and not one sodding lemon has come from this tree. So I can completely understand the frustration of, you know, growing something like that. And yeah doesn't yield anything. So when you talk about lemon trees, I just think of one foot in the Algarve when Fitz is trying to reach <laughs> out for that lemon. <laughs> Jeez, that's, that's all there is. I think I can see a, a string of bratwurst. What's the brand? Sausages? Rat, um, um, whatever the brand was. Yes. But that what that's what makes it funny. Whatever that brand of sausage was, I want to say Ratworth or I yeah. can't remember it. If it just said I could see a sausage on it, it wouldn't have been funny. But to use an actual brand uh, adds a bit of realism to the joke. I do love, I mean, her last line in this show, in this episode, sorry, is, uh, is beautiful, isn't it? Come on. Let's go back another one. That is a lovely. lovely sentiment that she, she I don't know, what lovely outlook she has. And I'm, I, I was thinking about it. I was half brass full, isn't it? Like I said earlier. Yeah. Of another episode that ends as sweetly as this one. Yeah, that's true. Because end of series one, that ended quite yeah peacefully. They're on the way to yeah, the holiday. Optimistically, but then there was this sort of obviously the threat of you knew what was in the bag. But I'm trying to think of future episodes. Yeah, how's I suppose end? I want to say end of Wisdom of the Witch, where we think he's been killed. That was the that was one I thought of. But she she he was he was moaning about the snooker, wasn't he? And she yeah. just walked off with a smile on the face. Like yes. everything's back to normal. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's good, hard. A good point. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that, I'm sure that other episodes. Yeah, endings to one foot that ended on a high note or on a peaceful note. But I don't know. It is a, it's a very meaningful and spiritual, like, from, from uh, Margaret as they walk down the night. So then they walk back, actually. decide to walk back. So Yeah, but she got a taxi that, there, but... I wonder how far away... I mean, you could do the... You could calculate... The mile it the, the miles on Google for I think Warnford Road to Tresillion. I can't remember, it's not that far. No, I don't but in their world, is it a mile? Is it I don't know, it got to be about two or three in the morning after their party. <laughs> Probably walking off the booze. But it's a great it's just it's a really funny opening episode. It's already loads better than series one. Yeah. Lot, lots of respect for series one, but yeah, I think a new dawn from here on out. And we'll just, yeah, the popularity of one foot will just get bigger and bigger from this point now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's got the, like you say, it's got the the classic sort of um, mistaken, not identity, but, you know, those sort of elements to it and elements of fast that are creeping in. Mm. Uh, yeah, really make the show. And uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's an incredibly strong episode for a sort of new beginning. Yes. I don't know how many sitcoms would do what, what Renwick did with this. I mean, think about that. I mean, you love Only Falls, but if you decided to ditch Nelson Mandela House after the first series and just completely relocate, or Bottom, 
you know, I was just, thinking that. I, I was identifying. Yeah, I was thinking the other day. How many episodes? How many sitcoms of where they've up sticks? Yeah, the main characters up sticks to somewhere else. And I, I mean, I'm sure there are there, there are examples. I'm sure, but I just can't think of any off the top of my head where they would sort of dare to do it. I suppose but it's very brave. It's it's just as brave, I think. Yeah, it's just killing off a main character. Yes, I mean, you could argue like Black Adam, maybe because. They take yeah. a central character, but then they relocate the character in a completely different setting. In a different, in a different uh, yeah. point in time as well. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a good one. It's a, it's a question, you know, we put out there to mm. people listening. Can you think of a sitcom that's been developed? So not just the first episode, but it's been at least one series where they moved house. <laughs> and I can't think of... Uh, anything off the top of my head right now but yeah how would you rate that out of 10 then uh, i think that is a solid eight out of ten yeah Very that's, solid. A, that's fair that's a fair score i, I agree with you it's not my favorite episode of the whole you know the whole show the whole run but it's it would be in my top uh probably my top 10 certainly yeah top 10 yeah it's, it's one of those episodes one of my go-to episodes mm. if, if i got yeah 10 episodes that will be on there yeah i mean it's not much more to say really it's a great it's a great opener. It's nice to see all of their friends, but we don't really see them socialise much in future, do we? I think there's a line, I don't know if it's series six or before that, where Victor says, why do people always want to meet up? Meet up. <laughs> because he just grows more and more tired of people around him, I suppose. But it's a shame because they are they are obviously a likeable couple. They've got all these friends and family members turning up for their housewarming, but we won't see them socialise forever and a day now. They've just got yeah, Jean, yeah. Jean that turns up and then... The, Nick Sweeney, who's sort of a friendly neighbour, but they don't really know how to take him. And then Patrick and Pippa, who are at war with them. Well, Patrick <laughs> more so. Yeah, fantastic. Now we finished discussing in Luton Airport. Dan, would you like to play a little game of One Foot in the Desert Island? I certainly would. So I sent you some questions in advance and I, with each occasion I played this game, I, I'm a little bit more organised. So I, I've given you some the questions up front where, as opposed to just dropping people in it or putting them on, on the spot. So you've had some time to think about your uh, your answers. So first of all, where are you flying from and where are you flying to? Oh, I didn't get that question. I didn't ask that, did I? <laughs> I'm not that organised, actually, I should say. But I'm oh, goodness. There. Just, just um, for fun, where, where, so you, you crash landed somewhere, but it'd be nice to know where you were flying from and where, where were you intending to, to well, land? My, my, uh, my local airport would obviously be Manchester, so I'd have to, yeah. you know, if I got a flight, I would fly from Manchester. Where would I be flying to? Um, I'd go to New York, definitely. So I'm not sure yeah. where you would crash in between. It'd probably be Ireland, Northern Ireland or something, wouldn't it? Or... Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, and you crash landed, but not to worry, I've, uh, I can make it a little bit easier for you so to speak, just to make your time on the, the island a little bit bearable. There's a, there's a few few things to help pass the time by. So first and foremost, you can uh, take any one-foot character, seen or not seen. Who would you take and why? Now, yeah, I mean, this is a tricky one because I know that uh, previous guests have mentioned Nick for his survival skills, Nick Sweeney. I mean, that's, that's an obvious one, but I don't know if I could sort of be with him 24-7. <laughs> 
I think he'd be pining for his mum as well, wouldn't he? So yeah, it'd be quite tricky. Then you go for someone like um, Tanya, Katie. You know, the the woman in the opening scene of the Algarve episode. You know, purely yeah. on a sort of carnal basis. But thinking about it, I'd probably choose Margaret. Margaret, okay. Why would I think you choose she Margaret? would. She would look after you. I think mm-hmm. she'd be very organised. I yeah. think level-headed. Level-headed. She wouldn't, you know, panic. And I think she would. She would work something out. I think I feel mm. safe. Whereas yeah. I think Victor would be a bit too ad hoc, uh, a bit unpredictable. It's not what you want, is it, on a, a desert island? She just, if you recall, one foot in the Algarve when they think they're in a prison cell, and she just something clicks and she gets them out of a sticky situation. So she uses her initiative to just check to see if the door's open. It's just something as minor as that will tell you that she's got something about her. She'll face up to things in life, it seems. She'll face her fears or... She, she has a couple of wobbles, doesn't she? She she had a... What was it? Is it Dreamland when she absconded for however many oh, days? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. But other than that, level-headed lady. Okay. All right. So um, portable DVD players available to you, solar-powered. Unfortunately, the disc can only fit up to a feature-length episode. What episode are you going to take? And why would you take that, your chosen episode? Well, I am going to take, and I know it's probably a little bit, uh, you know, it's a lot of people's favourite, but I am going to take Wisdom of the Witch. It is okay. my all-time favourite episode. That's your all-time favourite. I think it's perfect. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, really. Some would All... say the ideal ending. Be yeah, and I know obviously it was intended to be an original ending, um, yeah. but I just think the, all the plot strands work, everything sort of comes together nicely. I like yeah. the fact they go off to this remote, you know, house, uh, yeah. house isn't it? And I, I just think it's just fabulous. Yeah, it's a really funny. And you know, when I watch it, I forget, like, oh, it's the episode you know, with um, Patrick and Pippa in the hotel and all this, and it's just great. And, you know, and, and Victor with his banana trying to coax Edwin out the loo. And, yeah, <laughs> it always makes me laugh. That is my absolute go-to episode. It's a great choice, and they're all a great choice. I mean, I'd, yes. I'd be surprised if someone chose an episode from series one, or I don't know. Just yeah, I think no one so far has chosen a series one episode. I don't think, but yeah, it's a no-brainer to take a feature length as well. Uh, okay, so obviously you're going to try and survive on the island, fishing, sea life, anything you can find, any any livestock that might be on the island. <laughs> but you know, I can I can. I can surprise you with a a meal now it's got to be a meal reference from the show not necessarily a meal that's been seen but there's plenty of occasions where food has been mentioned what are you bringing well I mean, what would you like much, to deliver to you sorry <laughs> as much <laughs> as i want to try uh victor's squid in stilton sauce and i do i do like a hammer mushroom pizza that margaret enjoys well she doesn't enjoy because victor eats it but i'm yeah. gonna go with the um i'm very partial to a chinese they go out for a Chinese and Executioner's Stong at the start of series six. Oh, okay. So has, a very has... suspect restaurant, obviously. The toilet, you know. Shagai Express. That's the one. That's the yeah, one. Yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't perhaps go to the restaurant, but I would have the Chinese food. That's a great choice. Yeah, because you've basically got a buffet to choose from. Can you just talk me through your, uh, if you if you were having a takeaway at the Chinese, you know, where you live, what would yeah, you, yeah. or do you order the same thing? Or Oh, pretty much. Up? Pretty much. It's always a sweet and sour. Yeah, uh, lots of noodles, or some of the starters, prawn toast. Yeah, you know, spring rolls, dim sum, all of that. Um, Peking duck. Yeah, you can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. No, I'm not into sweet and sour. 
And I oh, always delicious. avoid that. And it's very popular. I'll, I'll go straight to spare ribs and uh, yeah, yeah, chicken balls, Seaweed. barbecue sauce. Yeah, love it. <laughs> okay, so um, a drink. I like to think there's some natural spring water on, on the island, but you might want to flavour your palate somewhat with something a bit more bearable or less boring. What are you drinking? Yeah, I mean, no one had mentioned this one before until I listened to the last episode with Simon, which was episode yeah. five, season one. Yeah. Um, so if it's not Polish sherry, which you know I'd like to try, it's got to be the 800-pound bottle of Chateau, I had to Google this, Chateau Chevenet, 1924. Yes. I mean, it's 800 pounds. It's got to be. It's got to be. What's that worth now? Is that three times as much now, do you think? God knows. God knows. Which was not Victor's fault. That is 100% the trench's fault for presuming they could just deliver that to their house. And it's just so unfortunate. It came with a Christmas card (laughs) next to the bottle of wine. Okay. That's why. So Chinese makes it. Washed out with an expensive bottle of plonk. That's, Absolutely, uh, very good shout. So, um, this one seems cruel, but you can you can feed a character to the sharks, any character that we we might have heard about or seen, and they'll regenerate every day. If you're feeling a bit psychotic, you can do this. It's absolutely fine. There's no no laws on this island. You, by the way, for future listeners, you commentary, you don't have to chuck it onto the sharks, but all part of the fun. If you were to, who who are you choosing? Well, I thought about this, and I thought, you know, do you do, you do Melvin? Because he's not particularly yeah. a pleasant guy. Yeah. I also find the guy, uh, it's the man in the lot back coat, it's the allotment owner guy at the end. I find him a bit of a... He's a bit of a knobhead, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, just pouring all his allotment on his driveway. I just found him a bit unpleasant. Yes. But I'm going to plump for someone who would annoy the hell out of me, and she's the receptionist. She's in the doctors, and I think she's the same. I don't know if it's the same woman. Is it Cecily it's Hobbs? She's in the eye same, clinic as well. Yeah. yeah. Do you find that annoying? Yeah. To Im- man- is this her in Man in Long Black Coat? Can I help you? Her. It's that annoying. Is that annoying? I find it yeah. hilarious, but I can see why it would be annoying. It, it is funny, but it's the... I mean, she's very good at her job in, like, you know, she's very multi- good at multitasking, but it's that repetitive, the way yeah. she answers the phone, the way she just, no. Oh, she's got to go. Sorry. Okay. She's got to go. That's a fair shout. So um, <laughs> let's just run through your answers then. So you're bringing Margaret Melger with you and you're watching on repeat The Wisdom of the Witch and your chosen meal is the Chinese buffet Asin Executioner Song washing down the Tom Croker's Chateau Chervenet Merceau. 1924, I think I've remembered that correctly. I think that's right, yeah. And you're feeding the receptionist, as seen in two episodes, particularly in The Man in Long Black Coat, to the sharks. Lovely. Okay, well, yes. hopefully you'll get rescued there, Dan. I'm sure you will. We're going to add well, a, a, the a, uh, Chateau Chamonix is still going. You know, I'd, I'm quite happy to stay there. <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot with a, a bonus question I Ooh, just thought on, of. You're going to get rescued. Um, I'm sure you want maybe your wife to, to greet you or another family relative or a best mate but from the show specifically who would you like to see on the the ship or the helicopter to greet you but who's that first place you'd like to see oh my goodness that's a good question i think I'd, well i probably want to see victor because he'd give me a sense of reassurance <laughs> i think he would enjoy any amusing anecdote you would have having said all that i'd just been stuck on a desert island with his wife for several months so i'm not 100 percent sure that yeah. Victor traps the person I want to see. He might have some questions for me, but I think I think he'd be quite funny. He'd he'd probably enjoy the tales, wouldn't he? The anecdotes. Yes, yeah, that's, that's that's fair enough. Because I I I I always said I'd probably share with I'll be on the island with Katie 
maybe Tanya is a good shout, but then to balance things up, you maybe want to be greeted by Nick Sweeney or a Victor and not just make it completely shallow about having a nice <laughs> looking lady pick you up. Cool. That's, that's good. I, I might have to continue to ask that question to others. I, I've been meaning to research songs associated with the show or mention the show because the whole point in Desert Island Discs is the music guests would, would want on an island. Yeah. And there's a backstory of why they chose that song in some cases. So if you can think of any music played in One Foot, you know, Hawaii 5.0 theme is just one example. But I, I don't think there's that many. It'd be really no. hard to come up with a, one song meant referenced in the show. Um, no, I mean, there's the Travelling Wilburys at the end. Yeah, that'd be quite... See, because there's only two or three that stand out, you're going to get the same answers, aren't we? So yeah. I've left it out for now. Anyway, okay, well, that's that was a lot of fun. Um, I hope you enjoyed your time on the island, Dan. I have very much, thank you. I believe you've got a game for me. Uh, I have. Describe to listeners what this game is. This is completely fresh. I've not had any proper heads up on this. I mean, you gave me a little heads up, but I don't know what's coming, so to speak. So do you want to describe what, what you've got for me? Yeah, it's a very, very simple. It's a quote game. So what I've done is I've very, very shamefully roped in my middle daughter, who's very confident and will, will happily do anything on stage. She loves the yeah. limelight. She's recorded five quotes from various episodes of the show, you know, in its 42-episode run. Right. All you have to do is tell me who says the quote, and for a bonus point, try and name the episode that the quote's oh, from. God. What, what's it. your daughter's name? Uh, Dorothy Dot, or Dotty. Dotty. Oh, thanks, yeah. Dotty, in advance. I hope you made it nice <laughs> and easy for me. Lovely name, Dotty. Okay. Uh, well, let's, let's, so there's five, yeah? There is five. Okay. I could stuff a mattress with your pubic hair. <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> I just listened to the first one. I can stuff a mattress <laughs> with your pubic hair. I believe am I am I asked am I saying who said the quote and what Yeah, who who says the quote and if you can for a bonus point which episodes it in. Okay. So that is spoken by Margaret Meldrew. That's correct. And I believe it's the start of oh is it it's one of the I'm sure it's one of the Christmas specials. It is. Is it Man in a Long Black Coat? It is. Very oh, well done. Yeah, okay. Fab. That is a oh, good brilliant. start. That is a good start. <laughs> Go on then, number it, it, two. Number two. <laughs> if that's water resistance, then I'm a Dutchman. <laughs> so cute as well. If that's water resistant, I'm a Dutchman. I believe that is um, spoken by Gene Wall Boys. And that, the episode is, oh, hang on, it's series six. Uh, it's the, yeah, it's Futility of the Fly. Correct. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. Right. On to the Number third three. one. Why don't you just dangle your private parts, private parts out of the window and be done with it? <laughs> Why don't you dangle private parts out of the window and be done with it? Well, that's Victor Meldrew. Uh, my first thought comes to Beast in the Cage. Why don't you dangle private parts out the window? Why don't you dangle your private parts out the window and be done with it? Uh, if it's not Beast in the Cage, it could be... Hang on. Um, no, I, I'll, I'll go Beast in the Cage. Uh, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely oh, is it? Right. Okay. Yeah, it is. Because I think the, a lot of times um... he's, he's spoken out of line about um, sexual references. It's when he's used as a what is it he says? He says it might be used as a contraceptive. Yeah. The guy in the sports car on one side, <laughs> and the 
the two bimbos, whatever he calls them, on the other side. <laughs> yes. Love that. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That was, was that the third one? That was that you've yeah. got you've got six out of six so far. So yeah, a very strong showing. I was just wondering how you were f- going to get the end of this hose pipe out of your bottom. I believe that's Patrick. Patrick Trench. Yep, it is Patrick. And. It's the episode where they're accidentally they're flooded. Yes, because the because because uh, the previous question, you know, when Victor shouts at the two women, is there any more crap you want to throw? I thought he, the previous question I just had. Yeah, I thought there, there was a reference about um, drapes your privates out the window. Oh, I there. See, and I see. then I was trying to think of that episode name, but this is this question now. That is from that episode and I just can't think of the episode name oh my god this series three or four uh god this is one where I probably won't get it what I'm trying to do is remember what the hell happens in the episode oh crap yeah it's it's Patrick isn't it when he's um yes he's come back to the or wherever they've been and he's is he follows the hose pipe to the Maldrews yeah put it through the wrong oh okay so I've I've just pictured Margaret with a concerned look, reading um, a letter, I think, from Alf, Victor's brother, which was the broken reflection, final answer. That is correct. Very well done. I had to to break that down. There's a lot lot of fans would just know that straight away, but episode names is not my forte. It's not mine. Um, Yeah, I had to Google quite, well, not a few of them, you know, because I came up with them, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I had to check that one, definitely. Final one then, let's see if I get one for Laos. Here we go. Better get ready for bed, bed. If you want me, I'll be in the bathroom, sandpapering my breasts. That's Margaret. <laughs> that's Margaret Meldrew, hole in the sky. Absolutely, ten out of ten. That's a stellar that's a great game. I, I, I want to thank you, Dotty. That's well quoted and. Uh... <laughs> She did very well. She did very well. Very and well. Does she have any idea what what the the, uh, the no. sort of dialogue she was speaking? <laughs> no, not a clue. To be fair to her, she did all of those in one take. Did she? Oh, that's one brilliant. Take. Yeah. Right, thank you very much, Dotty, for that. And uh, you brought uh, an element of warmth to the uh, podcast. So thank <laughs> you very much. Um, I like that game. And any other guests I have on, like if you have, it doesn't have to be a child relative, but any relative or anyone you know wants to quote some some lines from the show, test the host or try and beat the host or whatever the game could be called. That, I'll be up for that. That's very good. Just glad I got them all right. <laughs> you that's did very well. A, that's a credit. That's a testament to Dottie for um, quoting them so well because, you know, I could picture the scene straight away. And it's obviously the fun is getting, uh, you know, your child to, to, to speak of, of the uh, the one-liners because it's obviously delivered in a, such a way of innocence. <laughs> um, but I was still able to, thankfully, get get them right. So yeah, brilliant. Well, that I've had a, a lot of fun there, Dan. Thank you uh, very too, much for yes. joining. Yeah, I've got a wonderful couple of hours discussing the uh, opening uh, series two, should I say? The so next week I've got Graham uh, from Ireland on the show. We have put a living in the tomb. Don't know why I felt obliged to say where he's from, but Graham will be on making his debut. So yeah, Dan, thanks again for your time. I had a, a great fun this episode with yourself. And, pleasure, uh, yeah. Pleasure. 
Enjoy series two. Thank you. Cheers.